0: You've heard of a self-driving car. What about a self-driving company? Hi, everybody. I'm Bob Bowman, managing editor of Supply Chain Brain, and this is the Supply Chain Brain Podcast. The so-called platform economy, typified by ventures such as Uber and Airbnb, is radically transforming the nature of work. In fact, the changes are getting ahead of our ability to comprehend their long-term impact on society. Maybe it's time to slow down and consider whether the so-called gig economy is, on balance, a positive or negative development. One of the organizations trying to make that determination is the Institute for the Future, Its Workable Futures Initiative represents an attempt to have a productive conversation about the platform economy and the impact that it's having on traditional jobs and organizations. So I'm speaking today with Devin Fidler, Research Director for the Institute for the Future. He's going to talk about some provisional conclusions that have come out of the initiative, as well as what remains to be understood about this disruptive trend. Are humans going to be replaced by algorithms to the point where work is defined and dictated by software? And what is the fate of the traditional American worker? Here is my conversation with Devin Fiddler. Devin Fiddler, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: So what is the Institute for the Futures Workable Futures Initiative?
1: So for the last several decades, the Institute's been involved in looking at shifts that are likely to change the way that we do work. In the last few years, though, it's been become really clear that we're on the threshold of a pretty substantial break, that work is going to be really reworked in a lot of ways. And so we created the Workable Futures Initiative to kind of act as the crow's nest on a ship, look out at the horizons, what's inbound, what's coming our way that we should be aware of, and then try to bring in people who might be able to respond to those, to the conversation, to begin to to formulate responses before these issues are right on top of us.
0: So what kind of people and experts did you reach out to in your research and your evaluation? Uh,
1: So in the research side, we talked to a lot of academics. We talked to a lot of people on the ground. We've run a a number of studies and surveys. We've done ethnographic work. Actually, I'm going to get a bit more into the work we're doing on the platform economy. But one of the things we've done is follow people who have jobs that don't look like the jobs that that existed when we were little, and look at exactly what their days look like, exactly how are they different from the way that we work. On the advisory side, we've tried to bring in people from traditional industries, so we have people who represent classic big companies, but also people who are running some of these newer, either platform-based or automation-based companies, people in academia, people in the nonprofit sector, trying to get a 360-degree conversation going.
0: All right. So what is your definition of the platform economy?
1: There are a lot of definitions. We use the simple one that it's it's work that's intermediated by a digital platform. So there's a digital platform in there somewhere that's routing work. We've actually done a study recently where we've uncovered about 1,800 of these things, all of them created in the last decade, with more being added every day. So it includes everything from Uber, which I think everyone is familiar with at this point, through Airbnb, through less known ones. So there's freelancing platforms like Upwork, where you can get on-demand freelancing, remote work, grocery delivery, the whole gambit.
0: Is it a perhaps less exact phrase, the gig economy? Is that another name for it, or is that not entirely a, a 100% overlap between those two terms?
1: So I think it's safe to say that the gig economy and platform economy are used almost synonymously. We prefer platform economy just because the gig economy, as an expression, has this connotation of really short bursts of work. And while that's true for a lot of these, in some cases, people are working for weeks, months at a time on specific projects, making very respectable wages. So so I think the gig economy as a concept doesn't quite capture everything that's going on.
0: And the existence of these platforms, these digital platforms, is that what you mean when you refer to the digital transformation of the economy?
1: I think it's a combination of that on the one hand and automation on the other. So uh, we think of it, we're geeky people. We think of it in terms of processing and the sort of density of networks. So what I mean is computing is getting more and more powerful, which is allowing more and more pure automation. And this is the the whole conversation around robots and how they impact jobs, all of, all of that space. On the other hand, networks are reaching out further and further into our daily lives. The iPhone's only 10 years old now. And that ability to access resources exactly when they're needed, exactly where they're needed, is a big part of the reason that the platform piece works. The Workable Futures Initiative is, is really interesting, That both of those independently and then the intersection of them. And that's the, the digitization of the economy.
0: We hear this phrase algorithmic platforms. What does that mean? Does that mean that the whole thing is based on mathematical formulas?
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, one of the interesting things about, say, Uber, which is an overused example, but they're also the biggest player in the space, is that they managed over 2 billion rides now. There have been over 2 billion Uber rides that have been taken. If you were to look at who those drivers report to on a day-to-day basis, it isn't actually typically a person, right? It's, it's the application itself. The whole thing is being algorithmically managed for um uh, for people who are familiar with the tv show taxi what uber has done is automated danny devito's job the dispatch function and the management function have essentially been turned over to to the app we're really interested in where that goes next this idea that management itself is not immune to the effects of of digitization but it's it's underexplored so a lot of times we think about people on the front lines of factories and what happens when robotic systems brought in i'm much more interested in what happens to management of companies when decision-making can be coordinated more fluidly by digital systems.
0: But it sounds like you're doing more than just reporting on the state of work. You talk about exploring the potential for designing what you call positive platforms. What do you mean by that?
1: Taking a step back, one of the things we've, we've realized about these platforms is they really have tremendous capability for both potential good and potential harm. You can imagine platforms essentially operating as kind of strip mining functions, just finding value and extracting it. Or you can imagine them really enriching the environments that they're embedded in. You can imagine from an economic standpoint, this is positive externalities versus negative externalities. We have the sense that this is so new that we don't really yet understand how to build platforms that systematically enrich the communities that they're embedded in, offering more training, more opportunities, more mobility, more choice, all all of these things. But our vision is to not only explore how to do that, but also work with everyone from policymakers to the platform executives themselves to see if it might be possible to implement those, to might be possible on balance to tip things further and further in the direction of these enriching positive externalities.
0: Obviously, you do see the potential, at least, for the platform economy to bring new benefits, new flexibility, new freedoms, new creativity to the worker. On the other hand, you do indicate the possibility of there being negative impacts. What might some of those be?
1: Wage is one. Typically, in a a platform environment, often you're you're in competition with people you wouldn't ordinarily be in competition with, and you're instantly discoverable, and that has a kind of commoditizing effect, so wages can be impacted. There are some platforms that are designed in such a way that you really are the servant of the platform. It, it pings you and you have to respond and you're kind of negatively impacted if you if you don't. All the way through to basic things like uh, mobility. And if I'm interested in doing something else, can I port the reputation and the goodwill that I've gathered on one platform to another? It's, it's early days for all of that.
0: Of course, as we look at this whole development, we think of it in terms of something that springs from youth. Young people designed it. Young people have embraced it. What to you, you have you looked at the idea of the profile of workers under these conditions and how age might be a factor in terms of one's ability to adjust to the platform economy or not?
1: Yeah, so we have surveyed who's using these. And there is a bit of an age factor, but I think less than is commonly assumed. The average rideshare driver isn't somebody in their, in their early 20s. Typically, the average age is a, a bit higher. And then a lot of the people who've been early adopters of this space have been people who are comfortable with freelancing and kind of gig-based work historically. So in communities like journalism, where people are used to, to freelancing, there's a, been a, a relatively strong adoption. Among people of, of all ages, really, it's possible to find very seasoned people on some of these platforms, now even leaking into areas like medicine or accounting or more traditionally professional roles. So while it may have skewed young early, I think, I think that's changing quickly.
0: Yeah, certainly is my observation as well. I've been quite surprised to see the range of, uh, of gender and age, at least in, in terms of the rideshare programs, futurists don't get tired of telling us that we're in a whole new world when it comes to work, that the idea of you having one or two jobs your entire life is simply no longer the case, and that uh, people who are coming into the workforce today may have a dozen or more jobs between now and the end of their working lives, may have three or four at a time. Does that track with what you're seeing out there in terms of your investigation of the platform economy? I think
1: so. I think so. And again, starting with this idea that management itself is probably not entirely, humans aren't necessarily the very best people to be making all types of managerial decisions. We've we've actually experimented with a, a, a sort of spin-out software design function that we've created at the Institute called Rethinkery Labs with building software that can search through platform profiles and find people who are just the right fit for a particular piece of a workflow or a task, go out, recruit them, pull them in, help guide the process, and then help to re-coordinate to the next role after after that's done. I suspect that a lot more work will look like this. The platforms themselves are sort of an initial step in this direction, and as they become more specialized and it becomes possible to pull in very specific, very high-caliber work on demand, then a lot of the assumptions about long-term tenure at a particular company, spending 30 years at a particular place, being called on whenever they need particular service is is really called into question right if you can access talent and capabilities that people really want to give right let people perform at their at their highest possible contribution on demand then i think the idea of a traditional career becomes less appealing both from the standpoint of the worker and from the standpoint of the the employer
0: Is it legitimate to bring up the issue of personality, that there are some people for whom this type of life is perfectly well-suited and others for whom it isn't, who want more security, who want one job for an extended period of time? Should we just tell those people to get with the program, this is the way it is, or should we allow for the fact that not everybody is going to be well-suited to this new model? I
1: think personality is certainly a component. We're also, again, very early in in the development process around these platforms, so they look a little bit like the Wild West. Moving forward, I would expect a lot more of these platforms to be, for example, groups of professionals who work together on the same platform and, and coordinate in that way. And potentially, that looks a bit more like at least the traditional workday, even if your career looks a bit different. Or employment agencies, you could imagine a more agency-based model. This, this idea of individuals with cell phones pulling in other individuals is, is, I think, the early stage. A lot further we have to go there.
0: Yeah, just put your finger on one aspect of it. You used the word individuals. I wonder if this undercuts the notion of the value of teams, people who work together for a long period of time and bring value to a task or to an organization that would not be present if everyone's being brought in on an individual basis all the time. You know, the way we make movies today, you have a new crew every time. But a lot of jobs require people being in each other's presence and learning to work together and contributing in a team's kind of thing. Mm-hmm. This doesn't sound like it makes much room
1: for that uh so surprisingly actually there there is or maybe not surprisingly like like teams are a part of a part of the way that humans work a part of the way that we relate to each other and so teams have already started to form on all of the more complex platforms so very very simple tasks like rideshare where they're replacing something that was also individual right you didn't see so much teams of of taxi drivers uh, once you get up into to freelancing work, though, you have the emergence of virtual agencies and people forming teams that will go and apply collectively for particular types of work and rely on one another to handle excess workload. I think in a lot of ways, the movie example is a, a great one because there again, you see while people reform for a movie each time, it's not as though it's a completely new group, right? Like very often. People are already connected to one another, and that's how that full band of collaborators is, is created, right? Oh, I've worked with him before. He's great. Bring in this group of cinematographers. It's, these mm-hmm. bonds do form, and they do carry through even in a platform world.
0: So teams happen whether just because that's what people do. Right. They just emerge. You, know. um, you mentioned the idea that this is migrating more in the direction of professional-type type work, and, and I wonder and if there's some concern about that. Let's say in the ride-sharing thing, the skill is the ability to drive a car. Uh, In Airbnb, the skill is the ability to have a nice place for someone to stay. But when you get into the professions – many of which require years of training Mm -hmm. and create very high-valued individuals. Does does that become suitable for the platform economy as well? You know, I
1: think it does. And I think in a lot of ways, it's already more platformized than some other parts of the economy. So take, for example, management consulting. Classically, a pretty well-paid, pretty highly educated function. But really, if you look at what it is, it's a lot of projects coming in one side, a kind of matching function, right? Find the people who are the right fit connect them and then as a team for a short period of time, work through that problem and then disband and, and wait for the next one. That's that's an analog version of what a lot of these platforms are doing. I do think actually there's a lot of room in the professions for routing work to where people can make their, their highest contribution. And that, that applies to all kinds of professional services, medicine, a lot of traditionally kind of more educated professional functions.
0: What do you mean when you say that you're examining economic anomalies that might be embedded in the platform model?
1: Oh, so there are some ways in which platforms don't behave like traditional, straightforward market economies. And that's, that's one of the things we're, we're very interested in. One is the, the kind of all or nothing approach. There's also negative and positive externalities that we mentioned. But one of the things that we've been doing at the Workable Futures Initiative is trying to systematically document the ways in which platforms don't work like traditional jobs and traditional organizations, just as a starting point to building better platforms, building those more positive platforms.
0: So your efforts here, are they ongoing? Are we looking at a date when you're going to come out with some very specific recommendations and observations? What's going on with the Workable Futures Initiative going forward?
1: Yeah, so it is ongoing. And we do have an initial report available on the iftf.org website. It's called Work Interrupted. It's basically... Our attempt to gather in one place everything we know about the emergence of digital platforms at a high level, right? Everything we know about what are the positives, what are the negatives, what are the ways in which it doesn't reflect the same kind of patterns as traditional traditional market economies, what are some potential ways forward? So we do, we do make some recommendations around positive platforms and how to make platforms more positive. And so, yeah, anybody who's interested in the topic, I, I recommend that they go there. The next one that we have coming out will be looking more and more at this digital management piece because I really do suspect that's the the kind of unexplored big frontier that's likely to emerge next. And there we there we really do try to document all of the ways in which digital functions are taking over pieces of companies that they haven't traditionally been involved in, and what happens when you have what we've been calling just as a, a a concept for where this is headed, the the idea of a self-driving company, right? The idea of a company that can essentially manage itself with software. There's a lot of examples of, of people starting to move in this direction. Ray Dalio at the Bridgewater Associates, one of the big ventures capital firms, has been has announced sort of publicly that he's building software now companies with software programs that are formally sitting on their board, a lot of movement in, in this direction. We really, as as a next step, are exploring where that could head.
0: You know, I can imagine uh, maybe an average worker, if, he, if even such a term means anything these days, might be listening to our conversation, listening to us throw around terms like digital transformation, platform economy, <laughs> algorithms and the like, and they may want us cut through all that and say, what is the future going to look like for me as a worker? As old-style, high-paying manufacturing jobs go away mm-hmm. and this stuff comes along to replace it, where am I in this economy? Am I going to make enough money to live? What's my lifestyle going to be like? What's my job security going to be like? Am I going to have health insurance? What can we say to these people who are probably quite fearful at this early stage of what's going on?
1: So I think the, the answer there is mixed. I think that on the one hand, we do have the capability to systematically connect people to the opportunities where they can they can make the most difference right the very best job in the world for me might be in the building two doors down but unless i have the social network that kind of connects me to that i may never i may never know about it platforms are great about matching people to where they're a good fit and so that's the real potential and also could Help with things like increasing income and tailoring for people who aren't in a situation where they can necessarily have a a traditional sort of nine to five contribution. All of these things are great. Giving new skills and training. All of that's great. I think, though, the the downside is that we do need to be deliberate about this. We that's what the Workable Futures Initiative is really all about. The analogy, the sort of techie analogy that we sometimes use, is that it's like changing operating systems. Taking one system where traditional manufacturing jobs have really been the hub for everything from benefits to retirement to even elements of social status, and we're and we're switching over to something different. We we really do need to think that through, and and that's part of the conversation we're hoping to catalyze. So for those people who are interested in that, I hope that they make noise about that. Do be clear that this is something that we need to be looking at, because I think there's a conversation that we're not having in enough depth, given the size of the shifts that we're really talking about.
0: Well, we're going to follow your work with great interest, as in the so-called Wild West, (laughs) and as things maybe become a little more tame in the future. We will link to that work interrupted report in the show notes to the episode. Devin Fidler, I want to thank you so much for sharing with us what's going on in the Institute for the Future's Workable Futures Initiative and give us some idea of what the future of work might look like down the pike somewhere. Thanks very much for being with us. Oh, my
1: pleasure. Thank you.
0: That was my conversation with Devin Fidler of the Institute for the Future, talking about the future of work in a platform economy. See you next time.